Well, good morning, everybody. So good to uh, see you all. It's, it's been a while. It's been uh, an adventure this uh, past uh, several four weeks. At least I guess that's what you could call it. And, and it's uh, interesting sometimes in life where God wants to teach you a, a lesson. And I guess the first lesson that I learned is never move about 200 pounds of furniture all by yourself. You don't want to do that, right? Because it leads to a torn rotator arm, your shoulder, right? So don't, don't do that. But what is God trying to teach you and I today? And indeed, we come to God's house so that he can teach us, so that through maybe looking at the Bible, looking at stories, no, not stories, true accounts, we might learn something for our life. So what's God trying to teach us today? Well, as I mentioned, it's been an adventure these past four weeks, and if you're a visitor today, uh, I did tear my uh, rotator cuff and had to have surgery about uh, three, four weeks ago, and uh, was silly, and, and I've heard they have these little coaster things that you can move furniture with, right? I didn't use them, right? And uh, I, I'd like to say I was, you know, playing football or baseball, but I was just moving furniture, tore it, had the surgery, and I get to see the physical therapist tomorrow. Of course, I heard it's the physical terrorist. Is that right? You, oh, I've been hearing all these stories this morning. It's been terrifying, to say the least. So 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, I'm doing great today, but I don't know how I'll be doing tomorrow. But God can teach you something sometimes through the experience of your life, right? Yeah, amen, right? And sometimes it's even through the pain that you experience. Today, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, Mark chapter 2. I think it's about page 708, if you have a pew Bible. By the way, those Bibles in front of you in the pews are a gift to you. Take it home if you don't own a Bible. If you're a guest today, please take it with you. Page 708, Mark chapter 2. And as we take a look at, it's not a parable, it's a real story, we're going to learn some things that God will teach us as well. Perhaps today, as, as we look through that Scripture, I want you to ask yourself a question. Here it is. Who am I in this reading for today? Who are you? Who am I? And if I'm that particular person that's being described, what am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to learn? Now, I guess there's been a few things that I've, I've learned about having a, a shoulder that's messed up. There's, first of all, that you know what? It, you have to ask for a lot of help. Right? And, and, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. I, I guess it's humbling to, you know what, you can't even tie your own shoes, right? Unless any, can any of you tie your shoes with your one hand? Anybody do that? I don't know, right? Well, my son said to me, well, Dad, why don't you just get Velcro? And I said, no, I'm not that old, all right? <laughs> so you learn a few things. What you really learn, though, as we're going to talk about in the message this morning, is how thankful we can be for these bodies that work so well. Because when your hand, right, Phyllis, or, or when you hurt your arm, or, or when you have some a disease or an illness, you really appreciate having a healthy body, don't you? Many of you know that. And I say, thank you, God, for two arms. Now, Pastor Ed thought it'd be funny this morning if I had like a little red hand, and I just kind of wave it because he was thinking, how in the world is Kirk going to preach to be not being totally animated? But I didn't do that, all right? But you appreciate this limb. You know, did you know that it's really hard to cut meat if you don't have pressure in your shoulder and you have to ask somebody else to do it? Yeah. There's a lot of things you can't do when a part of your body doesn't work. And in our message for this morning, we're going to experience a man who was paralyzed, who couldn't move anything. And I can't imagine even what it is to be in that position. In fact, I visit some people who are in that position, and 
Boy, I, I don't know. I, I pray that I'd never have to face that. You know, the amazing thing is sometimes, you know, when you pray for something, God answers prayer. Amen? All the time he answers it. But sometimes you want to watch what you pray for. You know what I prayed for several weeks before I hurt myself? That God would give me the ability to understand hurting people more. Well, there you go. Watch what you pray for. And you think I'm telling you a joke. I was actually praying for the God goes, Kurt, it's you. This ought to be pretty easy. All right. <laughs> yeah, you've heard me talk about my foibles before. So what would God have you learned this morning from this scripture? 708 is where we're at, Mark chapter 2. And by the way, this scripture is, is not only told here in Mark, but it's told in Matthew, it's told in Luke. And, and so we read at verse 1, it says this of chapter 2, uh, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Okay, and, and if you remember, that indeed was where Simon and Andrew's house was. And if you were here last week, Pastor Ed talked about a miracle that happened there, right? Peter's, Simon's mother-in-law was healed, but that's where the headquarters of Jesus was. And this is a town that's right along the Sea of Galilee, a fertile area, right? A trading route all along there, and that's where a smart place for Jesus to have headquarters, right? And Jesus started out there. He was baptized in Galilee, goes into Capernaum, does some miracles, and leaves. And by the way, Jesus' full intent wasn't just to do miracles, but it was to do this. Turn to chapter 1. It should be in your Bibles just right before chapter 2. Verse 38 says of chapter 1 of Mark, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. That's why he came, to preach the good news. Well, more than that, he came to be the good news. And so Jesus left Capernaum, he went to Galilee, did the miracle that Pastor Ed spoke about last week, the miracle, the healing of the man of leprosy, and a lot of people heard about these miracles, and they came and they gathered. In fact, they're going to crowd the house that we're going to speak about this morning. So we read a little bit further, verse 2 of chapter 2. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. There wasn't even standing room only. It was packed. And if you look at the other gospel accounts, it said that there was a large contingent of teachers there looking to hear this teacher. Men who are ready probably looking to accuse Jesus, Pharisees, teachers of the law, scribes. And they came from all over the area. It just wasn't the townspeople. And there they gathered. The place is full. Please picture this in your mind. Kind of like this morning. It's packed in church. And by the way, when it's packed in church and Jesus in the house, is in the house, Amazing things happen. By the way, expect miracles always to happen. And so it continues on then, chapter 2, verse 3. Some men came. And, and, and even the front is blocked, right? You can't even get in the door. It's so packed. Some men came. By the way, this is one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite accounts. Verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralytic. No, not a guy with a rotator problem. A paralytic. Not somebody that could even be led in by somebody's arm. Not a blind man. Not a person who couldn't speak. But a paralytic. Nothing works. A man who's very, very weak. And so four men bring to him a paralytic, carried by the four of them. Verse 4, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, and this is the amazing part, these guys have great ingenuity, there's, there's nothing that's going to stop them from bringing their friend to Jesus. Amazing lesson, huh? Nothing. And so they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, <laughs> amazing, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. 
Now, I got a picture of this, you're probably thinking, how do they do this? Okay? If, if a roof is kind of like Messiah's roof, oh my. What did they have? Ladders? How do these guys? And then, and then they're trying to carry a paralyzed man. He has no control of his body. Well, here, here's the answer the roofs at that time were flat on houses, and, and the roofs were made out of mud. There, there was the beams that went across, but then there's sticks that go the opposite way. And if you look in the other accounts uh, about this a miracle, they also talk about clay tiles that they dug through. So they put these clay tiles on the roof. And then they smeared mud over it all, sun packed, right? And the sun dried it, put grass on it. And people spent a lot of time on their roofs, whether it was praying. And you remember the Old Testament, right? Washing, bathing, uh, a lot of things on the cool of the night, looking out over the city. And so these men most likely went up a stairway up into a flat roof. And so all of a sudden, can you imagine this? You're gathered in the house, you're squeezed together like this. <coughs> Jesus is teaching the word. You hear a thud, 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 thud. Somebody's walking in the roof, okay. And all of a sudden, you hear like a scraping noise. And you're wondering, what in the world is going on? And then, lo and behold, all of a sudden, there's like daylight coming in the house. And the dirt falls on your head because there's no room there. And it's dusty. Every, what in the world are these guys doing? And I'm sure the people are all looking up like this and go, oh, the sky is falling. No. And the men are looking down. And these men are filled with intent to make sure that this man sees Jesus. It's amazing, though, that they didn't clear the way to let this paralyzed man in. So they go on the roof, and the roof is, well, literally the roof is being taken off, huh? And they lower the man, and, I, and it says this here, take a look at the verses once again at uh, verse 4, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging, I don't know if they had a, a shovel or maybe just their hands, probably their hands, lowered the mat, so it's like a couch that the paralyzed man was lying on, and this is what Jesus saw. He saw the amazing faith of these men, amazing faith. And he said to the paralytic, strange, that this is the first thing Jesus says. Son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, you think that's kind of weird, right? What you, you know, they've lowered him there. He's paralyzed. Aren't you going to heal him right away? No, the first thing he says is, sons, your sins are forgiven. Now, it wasn't that strange, as Pastor Ed shared with us last week, that people would make a direct connection, right? You, you remember in the New Testament where several people were healed. In fact, the blind man who sinned, right? Who did something wrong? You or your parents? So people made these direct connections if you were ill, right? That, that you must have did something really bad or stupid like move furniture with your arm, right? <laughs> yeah. And this was a punishment for what you did wrong. So it wasn't uncommon that they'd say, your sins are forgiven. But the strange thing is that Jesus would take the authority to do that, at least it is to those teachers, that contingent that came there to accuse Jesus. And so we read a little bit further. Verse 6, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. It's always amazing that they know that they're thinking, thinking to themselves. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And by the way, if you go ahead and forgive sins, at least to the people's minds, Jesus was calling himself God. And in the Old Testament, ultimately, if you think about it, if you do something wrong, it's against God. So God's the one you have to ask forgiveness for. And Jesus, is he declaring himself God here? Yes. And so they're ready to accuse him. And when you do that and you claim to be God, that's called blasphemy. And blasphemy, you know what the punishment is? Death. 
stoning. These men are ready to kill Jesus already. And so they're thinking these things, and we continue on and read through the rest of the chapter. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts and said to them, why are you thinking these things? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I, I guess as Jesus continued to do miracles, the people probably caught on. You know he knows what you're thinking, right? He knows exactly what you're thinking. And you know he knows what you're thinking right now. Boy, this sermon is getting really long. I don't know. I'm hungry. God knows exactly what you're thinking. And not only does God know exactly what you're thinking at this moment, he knows what you're going to say if you look in the book of Psalms. Before a word comes to your tongue, he knows every word you're going to say. And so Jesus and the people there didn't just need to see the skull on these men's faces. How dare he forgive somebody? Those sour pusses, those fuddy duddies, right? Didn't they even see the hurting man in front of them? A man who needed to be healed? Yeah, he forgave their sins. So Jesus challenges the men, verse 9, our key verse, and says this. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Okay? And he asks the question, which is easier? To say to the paralytic, this man, this hurting man who can't move, who's been this way, we don't know how long, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. Now, I'm, I'm sure if the men would have answered, they said, well, I think it's easier to forgive sins, or is it? But to, to actually tell a man to get up and walk, to heal him, well, that's a miracle. So Jesus doesn't even give him a chance. He says, you know what? I'm going to demonstrate it to you. And so he goes ahead and we read further and it says this, verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, called himself the Son of Man. He said to the paralytic, it's just a simple command. Didn't touch him this time. Simple words. Can you, can you picture this? The roof's in. Dirt's all over the floor. Sunlight's coming in. Paralyzed man in front of Jesus. Men scowling, thinking these things to himself. And Jesus says, okay, let me demonstrate this to you. He said to the paralytic, verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Verse 12, here's the amazing thing. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. The man didn't just struggle to get up, right? You're thinking, okay, Jesus healed him, so he's going he's to need some physical therapy or something, no, like I do tomorrow. No, no. And by the way, I heard it's not physical therapy, it's physical terrorist. All right. So, so he goes ahead and he tells the man to get up. And the man does more than that. He doesn't struggle. He gets up with full strength. Full strength. And he not only does that, he rolls up the mat, <laughs> walks away. He just walks away. When Jesus is in the house, miracles happen. Jesus is in the house. Expect miracles to happen. Never doubt. And so what happens there continues on. The story ends. The people look at this, verse 12. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. They praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Never. Sins forgiven. Man totally healed. Ever seen anything like that? Amazing. I asked you earlier as we contemplate this message, who are you in this story? Or who do you need to be in your life? What lesson is God teaching you in particular as we read this this morning?
Who are you? Are you one of the four friends, and they're great, aren't they, those four friends who do what it takes, whatever it takes, no mud roof, no packed house, no nothing. They're going to do whatever it takes to bring their friend to Jesus. Is God asking you to do that? Whatever it takes. Know anybody who doesn't know Jesus? Do you know anybody that doesn't know Jesus? My guess is you do. Is God asking you to bring that friend to meet him? This summer, as you know, we have these Sundays called Bring a Friend Sundays. We had one last week. And, and, uh, and by the way, it doesn't take a Bring a Friend Sunday to bring somebody to Jesus, right? To bring them to God's house to, to meet him. But maybe God's calling you to do that, to do whatever it takes, to bring that, that friend who is hurting, right? That friend whose marriage is breaking up, that friend who's not getting along with his children, that, that friend whose finances are tanked, that friend who you just work with and you like, Bring them to Jesus. Is that what God encouraging you to do? Nothing got in the way. The men showed their faith. Is God asking you to do that? Who are you in this story? Who are you? Are you the man who laid paralyzed on the mat? And you say, well, no, pastor, I'm not paralyzed. Maybe you're not paralyzed. But you know the most amazing thing and the point of this story that Jesus shared with this man is your sins are forgiven. Perhaps you're paralyzed by some sin. Some sin that, that has been holding you down for years. Some alcoholism, some drugs, some relationship that is sinful, some lying, some stealing, some you're trying to be perfect. Something paralyzing you, some stuck in a rut that God wants to say, you know what, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. By the way, your sins are forgiven. And the message of God's forgiveness that Jesus came into this world, died on the cross to pay the price for all your sins, rose again, is a message that never gets old. And those sins that are part of your life, that have been squandering your life and holding you captive, they're forgiven, let them go. You are healed, right? Let the healing begin. The first part of that healing, right, is admitting that sin. Admitting that sin and letting God forgive you. Are you the man paralyzed, and perhaps you are that man paralyzed, and perhaps you do have an illness. Perhaps whether it's an arm, whether it's cancer, whatever it is. And as Pastor Ed shared with us, Jesus is the healer. Bring those things to him. And does God always heal us of our infirmity? No, but he forgives our sins. Who are you in this story this morning, and what would God have you to learn? Are you one of the friends? Are you the man brought in? Who are you? Are you one of the scribes and the teachers of the law who is accusing Jesus and saying, who does this guy think he is? No, I don't think they were as mad as much about that. They were mad because they didn't, Jesus didn't ask them, hey, can I forgive them? They judged Jesus. Are you one of the scribes who thought nothing of that hurt man there right in front of him? Didn't even see him for that matter. Who are you in that story? Oftentimes, dear friends, you hear a message in church. You hear about God's love and his grace and his truth to you. And it stops there. And it doesn't get taken anywhere else. God loves me. I'm forgiven. I believe the biggest challenge that God is giving us today in this message is perhaps he wants us to be just like him. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, would you? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Perhaps that's what God is challenging us to do, the message that he wants us to learn. The message series this summer is come see Jesus, go be Jesus. Ephesians 
chapter 4, the last verse, and chapter 5, the first verse. What is God challenging us to do? Certainly not to be like the scribes, judging people, not noticing people who are hurting and in needing of healing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then verse 1 of chapter 5, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And back to 32 again. What's God encouraging us to do, challenging us to do? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You know what God's challenging you and I to do today? Who are you today? To pay it forward. You know what that means, right? To pay it forward. When somebody does something nice for you, a kindness, I don't know, maybe even it's money sometimes, then and you're blessed by that, that you take that same blessing and share it with somebody else. Jesus paid it forward for you, didn't he, right? He, he died on the cross, took away your sins, and he's asking you to simply be an imitator of him, to do exactly like it says in this story, because we're assured that Jesus forgave our sins, right? We don't have to live paralyzed lives. We're not perfect, but God forgives us. We make mistakes. We can bring it to Jesus. He forgives us our sins and says, you know what? Go ahead, forgive somebody else. Live a life of love. You know, I remember an amazing example, and maybe I've shared this before, I'm not quite sure, of a family who did just that. Uh, it was about this time of year, school ended, yay, right? And a young boy and his class, a lot of kids actually, were going to the zoo. And it's uh, not the Detroit Zoo, but it's the zoo in St. Louis, Missouri. And my guess is that every year the parents remember this as well. And they went there, and everybody's excited to see the animals, the lions, oh, I don't know, the giraffes, the monkeys. They're getting ready to, to see everything. And the little boy goes with his dad because they need chaperones. And he brings his lunch, and it's great to bring your lunch somewhere, right, and, and to go ahead and, and go to the zoo and enjoy the lunch and enjoy the day with your friends and just be silly and pet the animals sometimes, feed the animals. And so everybody's excited. They're waiting outside. Dad's holding his son's hand. It's going to be a great day. Well, all of a sudden, they heard a screeching of tires. And, and there were so many kids there, they couldn't quite see what was happening. And what happened was a car pulled right up onto the curve, hit the boy. Boy dies. Boy goes to a zoo one day, doesn't come home. I know that's a dramatic way to come to the conclusion of a message. But that's, here's the amazing part, though. About a week later, they're, they're covering it on the news, and they're at the boys' school, and the kids want to celebrate the boys' life. And, and uh, so they let balloons off because they know the little boys in heaven. By the way, it's a Christian school. And, and the parents, they show the parents, and the parents had the opportunity to, to speak to the man who was drunk, by the way, who hit their child, killed him. And, and not only they talked to him, but they shared it on the news, and they said this. They said, you know what? We know what you did, but we forgive you. Could you do that? Forgive somebody who killed your son, your daughter. God, the Heavenly Father, has done just that, hasn't he? See, we're responsible for Jesus' death on the cross. It's our sins that put him there. And he forgives each and every one of us. The message for you and I today is indeed your sins are forgiven. Oh, they are. They're the slate is wiped clean whiter than snow, and it was paid for by the blood of Jesus. You met Jesus today, didn't you?
You saw his love and his forgiveness and the words that I've shared with you. You heard of some amazing men who who didn't take no for an answer, brought their friend to Jesus. You saw a man paralyzed who got up and walked again, praising God, going, Yahoo, in full view of them all. You saw some guys grumbling, and you saw the amazing Jesus there. Jesus, I believe, today is encouraging you to be just like him. Pay it forward. And all God's people ready to do just that. Say amen.